Welcome to Mission Gathering Charlotte. This community is for you. If you grew up in the church and have lost your faith, if you are in a moment of deconstruction or reconstruction, if scandals, politics, and hate have led you into doubt, if the stories of this faith raise doubts and curiosity in you, our time together is not about trying to fix you. You are not broken. Our journey in this life is not about erasing doubt but embracing them. For it is only on the darkest night we can see the stars. Life's journey is hard enough so we don't think you should have to make this journey alone. So if you are Asian, Latinx, Black or White, Indigenous, if you are male or female, trans or non-binary, if you are three days old, 30 years old or 103 years old, if you've never stepped foot in a church, or if you are Buddhist, Roman Catholic, agnostic or are a lifelong evangelical, if you are single, married, divorced, separated or partnered, if you are straight, gay, lesbian, asexual or bisexual, if you are a Republican, Democrat, independent, socialist or not registered to vote, if you have or had addictions, phobias, abortions or a criminal record, if you own your home, rent, live with your parents or are homeless, if you are fully abled, disabled or a person of differing abilities, you are welcome to join us on this journey to share our sacred meal at the Table of Grace. Happy Sunday and welcome one and all. Blessed are those who are weary. Blessed are those who are weak. Blessed are you when you're so overwhelmed. That's all you can do just to speak. Blessed are those who are anxious. Blessed the heart that's depressed. Blessed are those who are stuck in a rut Someday they themselves will be refreshed Freely we have been given Freely we have received We thank the Lord for our Mother The earth who has given us all that we Blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who have thirst. Blessed are you when you've been made fool, for surely you've been through the worst. Blessed are those with their back to the wall, those with the need to control. Oh, well, in there, so 
In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of those in need. About that time, though, she became so ill that she died. After they washed her body and laid her in an upstairs room, since Lydda was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two people to Peter. They urged, please come right away. Peter went with them. Upon his arrival, he was taken to the upstairs room. All the widows stood beside him, crying as they showed the tunics and other clothing Dorcas made when she was alive. Peter sent everyone out of the room, then knelt and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up. Then he called God's holy people, including the widows, and presented her alive to them. The news spread throughout Joppa, and many put their faith in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with a certain tanner named Simon. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43, Common English Bible Translation. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So something interesting has been happening to me when I read the Bible lately. I'm beginning to see things so differently than how I used to see them. Whenever I used to read this passage, I would always focus on how amazing it was that Peter was able to raise someone from the dead. I mean, here's Peter having enough faith to do what Jesus had done, what Jesus had shown him to do. Here's Peter fully living into what Jesus had called him out to do. And while that might be the most outlandish or the most like theatrical part of this passage, I find myself being fascinated with the person of Tabitha, who's also known in, in Greek as, as Dorcas. And so both of her names are either the Hebrew or the Greek word for a gazelle, 
a beautiful animal, one that in the Hebrew scriptures is often associated with feminine beauty. But when it comes to Tabitha, there's some things going on here that can get lost if we just rush through this text. First, she is named by the author as a disciple. A Greek word that's used there is a word that's used for a disciple, for a student of a master teacher, for someone who has been brought in to learn and study under their rabbi. So this was not just a person who's a part of a community. This is not just someone who was following around Jesus and preparing the meals or or doing the laundry. This is someone who is a legit student. Someone who was legitimately a disciple of Jesus. Tabitha is no casual participant in this Jesus movement. She is a vital part of it. And the author of Luke Acts, like because Luke and Acts are a, a, a duo, they go together. But the author there paints a picture of just how generous Tabitha was. And just who Tabitha was ministering to above all others. The people of Joppa, like the the followers of Jesus in Joppa, loved Tabitha enough that they went to another town to find Peter to come and help her. And when he gets there, when Peter gets there, the widows, they show, they show the tunics that she had made them. And not just like regular old tunics, but tunics of fine work, of beauty, of extravagance. And that can be hard for us to understand why that was so important, right? Because we live in an age of fast fashion, right? You can get clothes delivered to your house, try them on. If you don't like them, you can send them back. But these tunics meant a lot to these widows. One tunic in the first century Roman Empire world of the Mediterranean cost a month's salary for a skilled laborer or an educated laborer, someone like a scribe or a lawyer would make enough to buy a new tunic maybe once a month if they spent all that they made. So for a low-wage worker or a no-wage worker, such as a widow, there wouldn't be any money for new clothes. Clothes would come from from secondhand stalls or, or sewing together patches of rags that they found. But here, is someone giving them clothing, extravagant clothing. So we know that Tabitha was generous in in a hugely material way, like so much so that that people would write about it years later. There's still a lot we don't know about Tabitha. Maybe she too is a widow, and that's why she felt so called to minister to other widows. We know that in the Hebrew scriptures, right, like what, what some people call the Old Testament, but what we call the Hebrew scriptures, that widows were always in a precarious place. But something interesting about the Roman Empire is that widows actually had more legal rights, more autonomy than married women or women who, whose fathers were still alive. If, if a woman's father died or her husband died, then she was given her inheritance and her dowry as money that she was in charge of and could manage. If she was a father's only child, she inherited all of the estate and was in charge of it. So maybe this is what's going on with Tabitha. Maybe she has a lot of money. Maybe she is a boss babe of Joppa, right? Maybe she is running her own textile company, which is what Joppa was known for. But we don't know any of that for certain. 
Maybe she's someone who worked really hard for somebody else day in and day out and took what she had left over in her day and left over in her money, and she did extravagant things with it. We just don't know all those details. So Tabitha was generous. That we do know. But Tabitha wasn't just generous materially. You see, while the male students of Jesus had been so focused on who were the right people to win over or, or staying in the synagogue or the temple and, and preaching and teaching all day to the respectable, to the ones you wanted to win over, to those people that could really help them get this ministry going, Tabitha? Tabitha was preaching and teaching those who were the least among them. Earlier in Acts, you'll see that, that, um, that Peter and the rest of the disciples elect some deacons to take care of the widows and the orphans and the poor. But I wonder if they were really even doing a good job at that, because here you have Tabitha doing what they should have been doing, stepping up and ministering to those who Jesus deeply, deeply loves. Her memory as a teacher and supporter of those who were seen as burdens or drags on the new community was so strong that it gets written down about. So strong that the author of Luke Acts knew that this part about Tabitha had to be in the story. I'm not saying that the author of Luke Acts wasn't patriarchal, because they were. But for a brief moment, they go beyond the, the normal way of writing for the time of just talking about what the men did and having women be background characters. And they bring this person, Tabitha, and who they are to the forefront. She's included as more than just a prop for Peter's story of a miracle. I think that on today, on, on a day like Mother's Day, especially, we should look to Tabitha as an example not of how to be a woman of God, right? But of how to be a true student, a true follower of Jesus. You see, those of us that, that really care about churches and, and church growth or, or starting new things or, or letting people know about Jesus, we're so often ensnared by this idea that if we gain a little more power, if we gain a little more influence or a little more money, if we connect with the right people who have those things of power, money, and influence, then we can begin to reach others around us, to make a difference, to have a greater impact. But Tabitha knew her teacher. She knew Jesus. And so Tabitha keeps her ministry local to the people that are around her, not seeking after those with titles and with power, but caring for those who God had entrusted in her life, who had surrounded her and who had asked and who she could provide for. She's spending and producing lavishly for those that she sees who have been given to her care. I mean, Tabitha gets it. Tabitha gets it so much. It's not about the big deals. It's about all those small little deals all those small little interactions of love and hope about giving somebody back their dignity. Tabitha invites each of us to consider when we are given access to systems and positions, titles or institutions that have been denied to others who are like us or denied to others who aren't like us, 
Tabitha invites us to question, how do we manage that? To whom do we decide our loyalty belongs to? Not only in our words, but in our intentions, in our actions as well. See, Tabitha offers an alternative way of making an impact in this world. One that is rooted in love for real people. People we already know and share our community with. She offers us alternatives to ministry that reflect less of the patriarchal understandings of mission that have been co-opted by colonialization and empire to see that Christian mission is something that is going out to conquer. She offers us instead a glimpse into the kind of social justice where the work is done slowly, softly, and fiercely over long periods of time. She's practicing the power of the resurrection in a way in a way that Peter and the other disciples, the male disciples, the apostles, have a hard time following. You see, Tabitha sees every stitch as a prayer and every garment as a new chance at life, as a resurrection of someone who had been cast off and said that they were dead in society. See, when I was younger, I wanted to be like Peter in this story. I wanted to have that kind of faith that could go and walk into a bedroom of someone who'd passed away and say, get up, have them raise. Because that felt powerful. That felt like what was the thing that would change people's hearts and minds. But I see now I see now that the power of the story was not in Tabitha getting up from that bed. The power in that story was that those women who had nothing, no safety net, no one caring for them, had been clothed in splendor. And they wept for her. Her work had impacted them so much that they were faithful to see see it through the work that she had done and to tell everyone about it. Mission Gathering and Friends, Mother's Day is so often a day where pastors will get up and opine about the glory of womanhood through sanctimonious patriarchal praises, through through talking about some frilly story of who, who mama was or what she did. Or maybe they'll bring up John Wesley's mom or who, whatever, right? You've heard all of those stories before. But the story of this Jesus movement is not one of demure women keeping the home fires going, with the men going to work, getting it done. Now, you see, the author of Luke Acts spends so much time showing us women who own and ran businesses who did the work of preaching, teaching, and caring, and loving. They're not background figures to the Jesus movement. They are the Jesus movement. They're not the reason it got its support. They're the reason it got going in the first place. So in a time where we haven't progressed very far, where we still ask women to do it all while men take the credit for it, may we learn from Tabitha a different way of being in ministry, a different way of caring for our community 
May we learn from the spiritual daughters today who have grown up with the legacy of Tabitha and Lydia and all of the rest. So that when our story is written, when our story is remembered, we may be remembered as having half of the faith that Tabitha had so that we may be giving birth to something new this Mother's Day. Something, something that stitch by stitch, garment by garment, can clothe this world in a splendor that is yet to see. Mission Gathering and friends, may it be so. Amen.